0: Hello, and welcome to the Society of Critical Care Medicine's iCritical Care Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margaret Parker. Today, I will be speaking with Michael A. Smith, MD, on the article, Outcomes of Children with Cystic Fibrosis Admitted to PICUs, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. To access the full article, visit pccmjournal.org. Dr. Smith is a Pediatric Critical Care Medicine Fellow in the Department of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine at the University of California in San Francisco, California. Welcome, Dr. Smith. Do you have any disclosures to report before we
1: start? Hi, Dr. Parker. Thanks so much for having me. Um, No disclosures to report on my end.
0: Okay. Um, Would you start by giving us some background on what led you to do your study looking at CF in PICU patients.
1: Um, absolutely. So um, as I'm sure many are aware, there's been uh, a lot of progress made in the realm of CF management in, in recent years, the development of new disease-modifying therapies, new um, new respiratory support technologies, both, both being used in the hospital and available for patients at home, um, and with this, all this progress has been um, pretty significant advances in, in outcomes for um, CF patients overall. There's been a pretty steady increase in the median age of survival for for um, CF patients um, in the last 20 years or so. It's, it's gone up about um, you know 16 years from to a, to a median survival age of now close to 50. And although I, I knew how severe the disease can become in some cases, I had pretty minimal personal experience with taking care of critically ill um, children with cystic fibrosis. So um, just out of curiosity, um, myself and some of the people I collaborated on this this work with uh, took a look into the literature and, and were pretty surprised to find that um, the the literature on, on this cohort of CF patients is pretty scant. There's only been um, a handful of studies that have reported on outcomes of critically ill CF patients um, and, and few focus on children. So um, what we did see um, was kind of surprising that there were r- mortality rates um, ranging anywhere from 35 all the way up to 100% in some, some small studies. And one of the um, really one of the more thorough studies that we we saw in that initial literature review was from all the way back in 2002, and only included um, 33 patients uh, with a, a reported mortality of 61% of uh, all these patients were were mechanically ventilated. So um, you know, seeing how little literature there was um, published recently on this this cohort of of patients, and and knowing how many how significant the advances in the care of the CF patient overall, CF patients overall, has been in the in recent years. Um, we thought it'd be interesting to, to um, try to look into and gain a more updated understanding of this specific cohort of, of CF patients.
0: So, tell us how you did your study.
1: Um, so we ended up; it's we performed a, a retrospective analysis um, that looked at data uh, that we pulled from the Virtual Pediatric System, the VPS um, database. Uh, VPS is a, is a data set that collects data from, I think it's close to 130, 140 different uh, pediatric ICUs, um, anything from you know, demographic um, uh, data, from clinical data, uh, data on procedures used, et cetera. Um, And we ended up looking at close to uh, 3,000 admissions of um, a little over 1,600 patients with cystic fibrosis, um, patients who were admitted from. Uh, the beginning of 2009, to so about like midway through 2018. Um, we focused on a primary outcome. We just decided to focus on survival to you discharge. And then we um, calculated odds ratios of, of mortality in both univariate and multivariable models to, to um, assess for significant predictors, looking at those variables, such as you know, demographics, anthropometric data, Um, Some clinical characteristics, um, associated diagnoses along with CF, uh, as well as the need for for procedural um, interventions. So um, that was basically the 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 gist of our study design.
0: What risk factors did you look at?
1: Um, So we used a um, like I mentioned a, a fair bit of demographic data. So age, um racial and ethnic background. Um, we looked at some um hospitalization characteristics, including where patients were admitted um to the ICU from, so they transfers from the floor, from the ED, from other ICUs, et cetera. Um, we had uh, a fair amount of, of data from um prison three, the, the risk of mortality scores, um, that we included in the in our analysis. And then the bulk of the analysis uh, was on um, associated diagnoses. So we looked at all of the patients who were were selected into the cohort as they had a diagnosis of for cystic fibrosis um, attached to the the specific hospital admissions. But then we additionally included um, comorbid diagnoses um, in our our analysis. Um, And then lastly, we we looked at a number of different um, procedural interventions. the need for non-invasive and invasive ventilation, um, chest tube insertion, bronchoscopy, the need for renal replacement therapy, um, ECLS, et cetera.
0: How did you handle multiple admissions? Uh, Obviously, a lot of these kids um, come back more than once, um, sometimes for similar or often for different reasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Um, and we certainly saw that we had, you know, like I mentioned, close to 3,000 admissions, but um, only a little over 1,600 individual patients, so uh, a good number of them were admitted multiple times during the study period. Um, In order to account for the the multiple admissions and to ensure that certain variables weren't more heavily weighted or unduly weighted because of the multiple admissions, we used um, generalized estimating equations, uh, that clustered on the patient-specific identifier that was consistent with each uh, subsequent admission, so that again we weren't unduly um, uh, accounting for for that certain data for repeat admissions.
0: So, tell us about your findings.
1: Absolutely. Um, so, firstly, we we ended up calculating an overall mortality rate of uh, six point six percent of admissions. Um, or if looking at the, the total number of patients, 11.8% of the patients involved in the in the study. And then we additionally did kind of a subgroup analysis. We looked at just the patients who underwent mechanical ventilation, and in that group, uh, we saw a mortality of 19.1%. Um, and then looking at what factors were associated with mortality, there were a number uh, of specific comorbid diagnoses. So um, Things like hemoptysis, pulmonary hemorrhage, uh, pneumothorax, GI bleeding, um, hepatobiliary disease. We saw uh, increased mortality with bacterial and fungal infections, so uh, not with viral infections. Um, and then, interestingly, we saw uh, an increased mortality associated with diagnoses pertaining to malnutrition, as well as in those patients in which we could. Uh, calculated BMI, saw a relationship between lower BMI and increased mortality, um, and then um, not unexpectedly saw increased mortality for for uh, patients who required with both invasive and non-invasive respiratory support. Um, there were a couple of uh, kind of interesting factors that um, or interesting uh, variables that were not associated with mortality that were a little bit surprising to us, um, a couple of which being sex and, and racial or ethnic background, even despite there being pretty well-described differences in, in both you know, CF genotypes and, and the rates of morbidity and mortality between these groups as a whole. It didn't seem like those, um, those persisted, at least in our cohort, um, in the critical care um, or critically ill uh, population. And then um, we, like I mentioned, we also did that, that um, stratified analysis of uh, mechanical ventilation because a lot of the previous reports focused specifically on, on patients who are mechanically ventilated in the ICU. Um, and I thought one of the more interesting findings that we had was that of um, the the non-survivors, the, the people who passed away um, uh, during this uh, study time period, there were about close to 21% of admissions that did not include an in, in intubation or mechanical ventilation. So. Presumably, these were patients who had some form of limitation of care in place, either a a DNR or or specifically a DNI order.
0: Did you have any information on the decisions to limit care, or could you identify any differences between the non-survivors who did versus those who did not uh, receive mechanical ventilation?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, I'd say one of the, the limitations of our study that we did not have um, specific information on limitations what limitations of care were, might have been in place for a um, for a given patient or during a, a specific admission which would have been an interesting variable to include in our analyses um, there were some some interesting differences between um, uh, those who did and did not undergo mechanical ventilation prior to death uh, one of one being the uh, patient origins so and where they were admitted to the ICU from. There was a, a higher likelihood of uh, patients who did receive mechanical ventilation having been admitted either from the OR, following the procedure, or as transfers from another ICU. Whereas um, those who did not receive mechanical ventilation prior to death were more likely to have been admitted from the emergency department or as transfers from um, a general pediatric ward or, or an intermediate care unit. And then, um, I think not unsurprisingly, there were uh, higher rates of comorbidities, renal you know, and, and cardiovascular comorbidities, in the, the uh, non-survivors who were ventilated prior to death, and then higher rates of, of other procedural interventions, so chest tube insertion, bronchoscopy, etc. There was um, essentially zero um, um, other procedures performed in, in patients who did not receive mechanical ventilation prior to to passing away, which again leads us towards that uh, assumption that these were patients who had some limitations of care in place,
0: which would be a reasonable assumption to make. Um, did you were you able to look at things like uh, BMI? Were these kids who were more cachectic, perhaps, and or later in their stage of the disease?
1: Speaking to her specifically about those who were. Um, not, did not receive mechanical ventilation prior to death? Is that your question? Yes. Um, that did not end up being um, significant in our, um, in that subset, subgroup analysis. So, um, the relationship of, of low BMI or, or malnutrition um, being um, associated higher in the group who would have not ventilated prior to death, as opposed to those who did receive uh, mechanical ventilation prior to passing away. Um, But we did see, like, um, uh, overall, uh, that lower BMI was associated with increased mortality.
0: You mentioned that one of the limitations of your study was that you did not have information on uh, advanced directives. Um, Can you talk about other limitations of this study?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, one of the, the main issues that we dealt with was just the, the fact that VPS is kind of designed as a, uh, as a critical care database. So right? it was lacking some of the um, the key data that's used often in, in CF research, particularly CF mutation data and, and pulmonary function testing results, et cetera. Um, and then it also, unfortunately, lacks data on mortality outside of the ICU. So um, particularly in the case when you're looking at patients who limitations of care in place. Um, you may be masking some of the mortality for those patients who may transfer out of the ICU prior to their death. Um, and then, you know, lastly, one of our, though it was certainly a strength of, of our study, I felt that we had collected so much data over such a long, long time span. Um, we weren't able to actually look at some um, specific dates of admission and stratify by date of admission to study how outcomes changed over the course of the, you know, nine years of data that we studied. And One of the, the impetuses for the study in the first place was to see how these outcomes have changed in, in recent years. And We collected so much data that um, it would have been, been interesting to see within the data we had how, how things had changed. So,
0: what do you think the implications are of your study for the pediatric critical care practitioner?
1: Um, well, first off, I, I think you know, I think it's just important to recognize that outcomes for for the critically ill CF patients, like those for the, for the CF population as a whole, have improved pretty significantly from from prior reports. And, um, though it's still high, specifically in the the um, subset of See patients who end up intubated, um, it's much improved than than what was previously reported. And I think you know this that piece in particular is important to take into consideration, you know, both when trying to decide in a specific clinical scenario, you know whether or not um, to intubate, mechanically ventilate, et cetera, But also when when counseling patients and families and in making decisions on limitations of care, it's just important to have an updated epidemiological insight into uh, to help inform your your discussions with patients and their families um, and then I, I think also I feel like we hopefully highlighted the importance of um, the good of really good strong chronic disease management outside the ICU and even outside the hospital you know some of the things we've mentioned already like malnutrition and and other non-pulmonary comorbidities were really strongly associated with ICU mortality and So, these are things that um, as ICU physicians we can use on admission of of CF patients to gauge kind of the baseline severity of disease. And then, should also be things that we um, kind of keep in mind to do our best to set patients up who are leaving the PICU to have success in these realms to prevent um, poor outcomes in in future admissions.
0: What additional studies would you like to see done in this population? Where should we go next?
1: Um, you know, I do think there's, there's, um, like we mentioned already, some interesting work to be done looking at um, the approach to um, establishing limitations of care in this this population, um, and that, of course, is ideally done before the the pediatric ICU admission. But um, it would be interesting to look at um, the the sorts of factors that uh, should be weighed in or that weigh into the the, those sorts of conversations and how they affect um, decision making in the in the ICU setting. Um, and then and I haven't mentioned it just yet, but we had some interesting um, uh, analyses that looked at the uh, subset of our cohort that had diagnosis codes that um, indicated a post storm transplant status. Um, And we actually, very interestingly, didn't see, saw no relationship between uh, mortality and post one transplant status in in our group of patients, which um, we really didn't have the power to kind of um, explore further. But I think it would be really interesting to do. Um, another similar sort of study looking at outcomes of, of, in the pediatric ICU specifically uh, for those patients who have received lung transplants. Um, in the area that we're doing more and more uh, lung transplant for, for um, the CF patients. I think it would be really interesting to understand how they do post-transplant.
0: Do you have any final comments you'd like to make?
1: Um, no, you know, I really appreciate having me on Dr. Parker. Is, um really interesting and I appreciate you giving some time to, to highlight some of the work we did on this interesting um, and unfortunately not a studied uh, subset of the cystic fibrosis population.
0: Well, I, I think you have contributed substantially to um, what we understand about these kids and demonstrating, you know, the, the mortality rates have come down so much. I think that this is really interesting work and I congratulate you on carrying it
1: out. Thank you so much.
0: We have been talking today with Dr. Michael Smith from the University of California, San Francisco School of Medicine, about the article, Outcomes of Children with Cystic Fibrosis Admitted to PICUs, published in Pediatric Critical Care Medicine in January 2020. This concludes another edition of the iCritical Care Podcast. For the iCritical Care Podcast, I'm Dr. Margaret Parker.
2: Margaret Parker, MD, MCCM, is Professor Emeritus of Pediatrics, at Stony Brook University in New York. She is a former president of the Society of Critical Care Medicine. She is currently serving as Associate Editor of Critical Care Medicine and Senior Associate Editor of Pediatric Critical Care Medicine. Join or renew your membership with SCCM, the only multi-professional society dedicated exclusively to the advancement of critical care. Contact a customer service representative at 847 827 6888 or visit sccm.org/slash membership for more information. The iCritical Care podcast is the copyrighted material of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, and all rights are reserved. Statements of fact and opinion expressed in this podcast are those of authors and participants and do not imply an opinion or endorsement on the part of the Society of Critical Care Medicine, its officers, volunteers, or members, or that of the podcast commercial supporter.